Hello, hello. I'm Christopher Hooten. I'm the Independence Culture Editor and welcome to Kernels. So on the show this week, we're talking to the Franco brothers, James and Dave, who are behind The Disaster Artist, a film about The Room, which is kind of widely regarded as the best worst movie ever made. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! I'm sure most of you guys have seen it at some point, but I mean, if not, I can't recommend it enough. There's really no kind of genre parody that can come close to this movie in terms of hilarity and I mean there's just all the every single line of dialogue there's something to love every single shot there's something weird going on in the setting in the staging it's it's a completely bizarre piece of cinema I mean check it out on YouTube I think someone's uploaded it there with like Spanish subtitles you can watch it Um, I mean read the Wikipedia I mean from start to finish there's a lot of interesting stuff about there a lot of that kind of minutiae of room fandom including like the framed photos of spoons that are just for some reason on every piece of furniture in most of the scenes it's a film that's kind of had such an enduring cult success you know it's still packing out cinemas today and it's just a complete oddity you know this man Tommy Wiseau who no one really knows much about somehow has six million to spend on a film and it's fucking terrible it's so terrible it's great and he's actually recouped the money that he spent on it just through people kind of hate watching it in cinemas so yeah check out the room but i mean even if you haven't i think you'd enjoy the disaster artist there's a kind of human story to it that's propelled it and made it i think it's going to be a bit of a surprise hit you know it seemed like it was going to be this strange esoteric film for the fans of the room and now suddenly it's kind of is getting you know rave reviews and it's even even some people are saying, you know, maybe it's even in there with a cheeky Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. So this is me talking to James, who played Tommy Wiseau and directed The Thing, and his brother Dave, who played Greg Sestero, who wrote a book about his experience making The Room and how he kind of was slightly hoodwinked by this bizarre man with deep pockets into making this terrible film. So yeah, enjoy the chat. There were some audio obstacles to run into on this one. Uh... The guys were eating this like large selection of cakes, as you do. So there might be some minor clattering. Um, fortunately, what doesn't get picked up is the fact that Nicole Scherzinger was sound checking Christmas hits downstairs in the hotel we were in. But it, yeah, it didn't get picked up, so you haven't got to contend with that. Fortunately. All right, enjoy, and I'll catch you on the other side. Hey guys, what's good? How's it going, man? the spread you've got. Going on. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Dan, Chris. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hey Dan. How are you? Ah, so I was thinking, uh, watching the film that you know, obviously, it's about this guy trying to make a movie that he really believes in, and no one necessarily also believes in it. I was wondering if there was an element of life imitating art when you were trying to get it off the ground and talking to Warner Brothers and be like, "We're oh. trying to make a movie about an incredibly <laughs> esoteric thing that maybe a few people have seen." <laughs> um, that's interesting. Actually, I mean. What's funny is um, we went to New Line, <clears throat> which is a subsidiary of, yeah. of Warner Brothers, and uh, three guys there were huge fans of The Room. Um, Mike Disco, this guy Brenner, and um, this other, this guy Neustadter. My and- first ever experience <laughs> seeing The Room at a midnight screening was because of those guys. And this was, uh, yeah, this, yeah. This was on, I think, even before we knew we were doing it with them. Okay. They were just obsessed with it, and they went all the time. Right. Yeah. So we kind of found the perfect match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they were great all the way through, and so supportive, and yeah. Although I I know what you mean. Like there, you know, we did. 
we did sort of have to say, you know, um, to like some of the other heads of the studio and marketing people, like, don't worry. There are enough famous people that are obsessed with the room that will want to be in our movie, yeah. you know? And, um, and so, yeah, we had to kind of... But but there were. I mean, it was not... We have an incredible cast of, you know, comedians yeah. and great dramatic actors. And it actually was not that hard to get them because people do really love the room. It is still kind of incredible to take a step back and realize that they they did give us a lot of freedom to <laughs> yeah. make whatever we wanted out of this crazy story. And I, I just feel so indebted to those guys. And, um, yeah, they really let us run with it and supported us in any way we needed. Yeah, and even people I know that, you know, haven't seen The Room still seem to have enjoyed it, so it paid off. Right. Oh, yeah. It's funny, I am... Um, I, I, I reached out to Tommy about seven years ago after I'd seen the film. Oh, wow. To try and talk to him. And he, uh, he gave me a call one day, and I was expecting to talk to him for about 10 minutes or something. Two hours later, <laughs> still on the phone. You got Tommy. I got Tommy. The man's got so much <laughs> what, to say. What do you remember from that call? I wish I still had the transcript. I remember him talking about how women have so much power. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't even go down that road. I was, I was wondering, that, particularly James, like how much time you spent with him. Well... I've I've now spent a lot of time with him. I know him probably as well as um as you can get to know Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, before the movie, I'd read the book um, and got to you know a real insight into his character be- before the room because I believe that there's a Tommy before the room and a Tommy after the room. Yeah, and the Tommy after the room is sort of rewritten history in the sense that he intended to make a drama, you know, he kept the movie, even though, you know, it cost $6 million and made $1,800 its first run, um, it, he kept it in the theaters for two weeks to qualify for the Academy Awards, so it shows where he was aiming, you know, with the movie, but then after that it became this cult hit that people like to laugh at, and then he subsequently took credit for it being a comedy. Yeah. So to ask him about his intentions when he was making The Room now, I think would, um, I wouldn't get a straight answer, you know, um, and, um... I was and, wondering that, whether there's, like, yeah. this kind of, like, his public-facing, this is what The Room is about, then privately he might concede to, like... I mean, his life is such a, in a way, uh, I don't know, a performance, I guess, mm-hmm. but, um... An amazing performance, a performance that I respect. I mean, the fact that he is so obviously not from New Orleans, a raging Cajun from New Orleans, you know, and that he was definitely not in his 20s when he made The Room, you know, yeah. and that he holds on to that so tightly, you know, is amazing to me. And um, I just assumed that you spent a lot of time with him to, like, help get inside his mind, and but it was mostly from watching back The Room, was it, to get the No, down? it was um, actually... A series of tapes that um, I got from Greg. Um, Tommy used to talk to himself on a mini recorder. And we're talking five, six years before he made The Room. And he would be driving around in Los Angeles talking about his, you know, very private thoughts. And Greg stole those tapes and digitized them. Mm. And so he gave those to me. And so, and Tommy knows I have them. Yeah. Um, but he calls them the secret tapes. <laughs> but um, they were the best 
insight into who he was right before he made the room. And he's he's talking about everything, you know, I, I would want him to talk about him. his acting teachers and complaining that they don't understand him and and then seeing how people's misunderstanding, how he would turn people's misunderstanding of, of him into, you know, uh, pump himself up, you know, like he's saying like, well, he, he treated me differently than all other students, but you know what, maybe teacher is intimidated, he sensed my power, and you know what I mean? And it was like, everything I needed to know about his character and how he defended himself against, you know, a world that rejected him. Yeah. And um, so those tapes were invaluable. Did you ever manage to pin him down on his origin? Or is he still being... No, I mean, look, he... I love the idea that there's like an origin story there that someone should should explore about his time he oh, might have yeah. spent in Europe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the Hollywood Foreign Press um, saw our movie and liked it so much. They wanted to have give Tommy his own press conference. And I, 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 I went right before him and I was like, I'm so amazed that you guys have Tommy coming in here. You are going to ask, try and ask him where he's from <laughs> and he's not going to give you anything. And they, they went on the internet and they're like, isn't your name blah, 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 Pierre or whatever. You're from Poland, you know, and he just... Deflecting. Wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't answer, you know, because he's had 14 and a half years of practice deflecting all of these questions. Yeah. yeah. Dave, was it hard to, like, keep your shit together when you, in the first few days on set when you were doing this scene with James and he's got, like, that character down? I was, I was thinking watching that, it was like, it must have been hard to, <laughs> not to crack up. I, I adjusted quicker than most just because uh, th- there's not much that he can do that surprises me these days, but uh, Seth Rogen took a while, it took him about two weeks <laughs> to get to a point where he didn't just laugh in his face every time he saw him. Uh, and I remember Seth coming up to me at one point and saying saying, this is weird for me, and that's your fucking brother. Like, what is going through your head? How are you getting through a single take? Um, But I think it all just added to, like, the meta weirdness of it all and put you in the mindset of what it may have been like being directed by Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, obviously, like, you got the payoff at the end with the side-by-sides of what you guys shot in the original. How much did you actually remake, as it were, of the film? Um, I think we might have about... 20 to 25 minutes of the of recreated room scenes. Beat for um, beat, yeah. move for move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you, would you ever, like, you should get that out there or something. I like know. See the light I'm day. sure that'll be on the DVD. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, was it, because you were directing, obviously, was it a head fuck uh, trying to keep tabs on, like, having a set within a set? So you've got, you know, your real script supervisor and then the script supervisor who's the character. Was that, or was it actually, I always wonder that when I see those kind of film within a film things, but was it not too bad? Um... It's a little tricky, you know? You, I mean, we hired... I mean, Seth Rogen plays the script supervisor yeah. within our film. And then we had a real script supervisor yeah. off screen. Um, we had to have a camera crew in front of the camera, and they had to look like they knew what they were doing. So we hired, you know, friends of the cinematographer Brandon Trost, yeah. who knew how to be a camera crew and they would, you know, and they would, would do that. And so, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, it's almost double. You have to do everything twice in a weird way. And with the props, you're like, is that the light balance we're using or the one that's in front of the, in the shot or like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And do you, 
I mean, my favourite lines from the room have like changed so much over the years. I think my my current favourite <laughs> is uh, the uh, "I'm tired, I'm wasted, I love you, darling." Do you, do you have any particular famous the moment you've come, come to? Come on, you owe me one. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so weird. <laughs> um, go ahead. I don't know. If it's is is not a line, but a moment that I love is just Denny eating the apple. Simple yeah. as that. It's just uh, I don't know why that gets me. I love the. The moment where uh, they're at the cafeteria or bakery or whatever it is, and you see two or three extras giving their entire orders. Like two the... couples before Tommy and Greg. Yes. Give their full orders, <laughs> yes. like pay. Yeah. <laughs> it's very realistic. Yeah. When you were putting it all together, did you kind of want to consult with people who hadn't seen the room to make sure that it worked as a film, you know. You know what's a funny thing that I didn't realize until just a, a month ago was that, you know, we hired these amazing writers, um, Mike Weber and, and Scott Newstetter to yeah. to write it, and they were known for Five Hundred Days of Summer and The Fault in Our Stars, and they were not really comedic writers. They're known for writing great relationship films, and um, that's the reason we hired them. Mm. You know, that's what we were going to hang this story on is the relationship. Um, Mike Weber told me only at a recent Q&A that he didn't watch The Room before he wrote the first draft because he wanted to be sure that it would play for the uninitiated Room fans. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. As it makes sense because the humor is already there. They needed to bring the the drama to it in mm -hmm. a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, just kind of finally with with this whole new, you know, Tommy's had his period of fame and now he's got an even new, more intense period of fame ahead of him. What do you think he's going to do next? Or has he told you what his plans are? Or Well, go ahead. Him and Greg, well, okay, so when, when, when Greg saw an early cut of our film, he, he got really inspired and uh, he ended up seeing Tommy in a new light based on my brother's portrayal of Tommy. And so... He went off and wrote a new feature-length script for the two of them to star in, mm. and uh, they've already filmed it. It's so long that they decided to give it the Kill Bill treatment, where it's part one and part two, <laughs> and um, <laughs> so we we have those two films to look forward to in the new year. It's going to be too self-aware though now, isn't it? Like the ship is sailing. Well, there's already a trailer online, and you can tell it's they're going for a different vibe. They're not trying to mimic the tone of the room. Um, but yeah, who knows what direction they're taking this thing in. On the other hand, you know, Tommy, I think, is entering possibly the third major phase of his career, let's say, where before The Room, he had faced years of rejection and willed his movie into being and in, tried to create this great drama. Then it came out, um, didn't land with audiences as he expected, but then became this cold hit, and then he took on, he took ownership of that and took on this new persona yeah. of, you know, this comedic director and, and the sort of Tommy Wiseau that he thinks everybody wants him to be. Then, he was at um, this South by Southwest screening, the first time we really showed it to an audience, and it was this incredible screening, and they gave a standing ovation. And I realized later, that that was the first time that Tommy heard unironic applause in his whole life, mm. you know, that they were cheering on his story, you know, and when people watch The Room, they're, 
you know, they're they're laughing. They're having fun. It's not exactly cruel, and yeah. he, you know, um, and especially because he claims that you know that he did that on purpose, and so you know, people are he's giving them the freedom to laugh, um, but here they were, you know, cheering him on for you know, sticking to his dream, you know, for striving in the face of so much rejection. And so he was really humbled that night. Um, he he was unlike I'd ever seen or heard him being before. And so this new phase could be, I don't know, maybe um, a more truthful, earnest Tommy, or it could just be <laughs> that he goes deeper, deep, you know, into... The Tommy Wise. You should get like a talk show, an adult swim or something. I would, I yeah. would watch that. <laughs> yeah. I know he doesn't give direct answers, but do you get the sense that he does like your movie? He's told me he likes it. He's very moved by That's it. Good to yeah. Hear. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your time, guys. And like, thanks, congratulations man. on getting it made. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. So that was my chat with James and Dave Franco. Hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, get yourself down to the Disaster Artist. It's out 6th of December. And, you know, it's always good to support people making really fucking stupid cinema. <laughs> for a very specific group of people and getting Warner Brothers to pay for it. All right, I've been Christopher Hooten and thanks as always for listening. Come back in a couple of weeks where we'll be talking to Charlie Brooker about the new series of Black Mirror. And in the meantime, if you've got any questions or thoughts on the podcast, please do hit us up at Kernels on Twitter. All right, take it easy. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark.